This podcast is for information purposes only. Nothing should be taken as professional or medical advice or opinion. Please consult your mental health or primary care provider for professional advice. All names and details have been changed to protect the submitter's identity. If you are experiencing an emergency, please dial 911 immediately. Hello, this is the How Can I Help You podcast. I'm Rebecca Pitney and I'm a social worker. I discuss topics and answer questions using my experience working with families and individuals in crisis. You can email me at howcanihelpyoupodcast at gmail.com or submit a question or a comment on my website, howcanihelpyoupodcast.weebly.com or on social media. And nothing's off limits. We talk about everything here because crisis is different for everyone. Some are really large and last a long time. Some are small and some are just part of human development and normal life. So we talk about it all. Let me tell you, it is so good to be back. I hope you all are well and you all had a good rest of your summer. I know a lot of people have kids going back to school one way or another, and I'm wondering, how are your kids coping with this new normal? Are they going to school or are they doing it online? How are they feeling about going back to school? This is a really good topic that we're going to discuss in a later podcast We're going to talk about kids and their anxiety and their anxiety related to COVID and school and all that stuff. So stay tuned. I've been really busy and I've not been able to record for a few weeks because I was actually moving. As I've mentioned before, my husband is active duty military and we were transferred to a new duty station. We uh, military folks, we call this a PCS. So that's an acronym, of course, stands for permanent change of station. So we did our PCS move and it was huge. I mean, it's just huge packing up your entire life and every single thing that you own down to your you know, magnets on your refrigerator and your paper clips and everything and moving it across country. But we got it done, but it was a lot. And to add on to that, my sister and I also had to go to Florida to move my dad because after his medical event, which I think I talked about in an earlier podcast, he ended up having to move from independent living to assisted living in his retirement community. So we had to go down and move all of his items. However, we weren't allowed to see him because visitors are still not allowed in any care facilities in the state of Florida. So that was, that was a little hard, but we got it done and we were able to talk to him through his window and, you know, talk to him on the phone at the same time while he was seeing us out the window. So that was kind of fun, but he's doing better. So that was good. And then I had to move my son into his college apartment because his school is kind of doing a hybrid model of school this fall where um, most of their stuff is online, but the labs and stuff are actually in person. So he did have to physically go to where his school is. So that was a lot too. So I'm tired. I'm tired of moving. (laughs) How do you all feel about moving? It is hard work. So I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be settled and unpacked, and I'm excited to be back recording the podcast. And luckily, I can do my job still because 
I learned how to telecommute during the COVID stay-at-home order. And so, you know, they just let me continue to telecommute. And even though I'm out of state, I'm basically still doing the same job, which is a huge blessing. And I'm so thankful about that. So thankful that I can telework. And a lot of people can't. And those of you who are still out of work, man, my heart goes out to you. So that, that must really be tough. Anyway, I've been thinking a lot about moving and I don't actually mind moving that much. I like meeting new neighbors and I don't mind adjusting to a new home and getting used to a new town. But, you know, it's all the physical stuff that's hard. All the sorting and the cleaning and the packing and the unpacking. And there's always unexpected expenses, right? Even though the military reimburses us, there's stuff that you don't think about when you get to a new home that you have to pay for, like for instance, we actually had to pay to rent a fence here because we're, we're in military housing and you're not allowed to make permanent changes to the structures, but you can rent a fence. But then like when you move, you have to take it up. And then the next guy that comes to get the house, they have, if they want a fence, you know, they have to rent their own fence. So it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's kind of a racket, I think, for the fence guy, but whatever. It's okay. And it's important for the dogs. So, you know, there's just a lot to do and a lot to pay for. So that's that. That's my life. And anyway, glad to be back. So let's get to today's topic. This is a topic that I have been dealing with recently a lot. And I've also dealt with it professionally as a social worker. So let's talk about helping your aging parents and feeling like you are in the middle of the sandwich. <laughs> Let me explain. So it's inevitable, as we all know, that most people, if they live to an advanced age, they're going to need some sort of help when they get older. One of my former jobs was as a geriatric social worker. And now I'm actually, you know, as I said, assisting my father. So I've had a fair amount of experience with this issue and this population. So let me kind of paint you a picture of what happens as your parents or your other loved ones age. I mentioned before, and you've probably heard this term, the sandwich generation. What does that mean? Well, that means that you are part of the generation that is in the middle between the older generation who are like your parents and your aunts and uncles and your grandparents, and then the younger generation who are your kids and also maybe even your grandkids, right? So you may be caring for your kids and then your parents start to need help too. So you end up caring for both your children who are younger and your parents or um, the other people in your family who are older at the same time. So you're in the middle. You're like the meat or the cheese and your kids and the parents on both sides of you are like the bread. <laughs> and sometimes the demands from your kids and your parents become pretty intense and they come at the same time and you start to feel squeezed from both sides. Well, let me tell you, I am talking to you today right from the middle of that sandwich. I joke with my sister that she can be the meat and I can be the cheese because she's lactose intolerant, <laughs> but I don't know, that's a bad joke. But you know, we're both there together trying to care for both our kids and my dad. And 
thank God I have my sister. I think it would be really hard to do this alone. Some people are alone and they're trying to deal with a lot of demands and stress and expenses, trying to help their parents and their kids. And think about this, as your parents age and they become elderly, a lot of times that's gonna occur around the time that your children are starting to grow into their teenage or their young adult years which in their development is a time where your kids really do need a lot of attention and care and money as well, right? You're looking at maybe college or them moving out or some sort of training at the same time that your elderly parents are needing extra attention and maybe have more expenses as well. So it can be a lot. It can be a lot of stress especially if your parents don't have a good plan in place for their care. Okay, so let me explain to you some common terms and situations so you have a heads up. Number one, the first thing I would really love to urge everyone listening to me who has parents who are elderly is to plan ahead. The worst thing you can do is be in denial that your parents are gonna age. Also, sometimes the elders themselves are in denial about their own aging because, I mean, who really wants to think about and accept that they're going to grow old? It's difficult and it's an emotional fact of life. But, you know, many of us will not be able to work or care for ourselves or make our own decisions forever. But let me assure you, it is much easier and better to face these facts and to think about these things before you need help because you can still make your own decisions and you can plan when you're still able to rather than wait until you need the help when somebody else might have to make the decisions for you. So plan ahead. That's the first thing. Second thing, for all of you other folks out there like me who are in the middle, who are middle-aged, make sure you are saving as much money as you can for retirement and your old age. I have had many, many, many clients who are elderly and in poor health and who have no savings whatsoever. And they assume that they would be able to live off of social security. And guess what? They can't. It is extremely difficult to pay for housing and all your other necessities on social security retirement alone extremely. So trust me, everyone should be saving money. And also it'd be really great if you can purchase a house and pay it off if you can. Um, Cause if you own a house, you are in a better situation as you age, because if you're renting, rents always go up. They generally keep going up. But if you own a house, at least that cost is fixed. And if you've paid it off, all you have to worry about is the cost of rising utilities and transportation and food and all the other necessary things. And don't forget that even if you pay off your house, you're still going to have to pay property taxes. And those always go up and health insurance premiums as well. So you're going to have to factor all of that into how much you're going to need at the end of your life after you stop working. So save as much as you possibly can. You can find some really neat 
and cool retirement calculators out on the web where you enter how much you're saving every month into the calculator and then you put in what your interest rate is, you know, the interest rate that you're receiving on your money, like if it's in a mutual fund, if you're getting like six or 7% or something like that, hopefully, hopefully more. And then how much you'll end up with at the age that you retire. So you can poke around on the web and, and play with those. They're very eye-opening and they show you that the earlier you start, the more you're gonna end up with. It's, it's huge, the effect of compounding interest. So check that out. Also, you're gonna wanna think about what type of setting you would like to be in when you get older. Do you wanna stay in your own home? Well, then you need to think about how you're going to have in-home care if you need it. Or is there family close by that can help or even move in with you? Or do you need to think about and plan for hiring a caregiver to come help you? If you or your parents are thinking about a retirement community, you need to keep in mind that there are different kinds. There are senior apartment complexes, which are simply buildings that are like 55 or and older or 62 years and older. And then there are nursing homes, which you cannot be admitted to unless you medically qualify for nursing care. And then there are assisted living facilities, which usually care for people who have dementia or memory loss, but then they're physically healthy. But people with other long-term conditions as well can live in assisted living facilities. And then there are what's called continuum of care communities. And these are properties that have independent living apartments, assisted living units, and then memory care and nursing care all on the same property. And so the deal is uh, you pay to move in and then as you need, or if you need more advanced care, you can move from the independent living apartment that you move into to assisted living or memory care as you need it. The thing that you really need to be aware of though with these communities is that they will only accept you at the independent living level. And then you know, you can move into assisted living if you need it. But if you already need assisted living, they will not accept you. So what will happen is, you know, you apply to move into one of these places. And part of the application process is that a social worker at the community will assess you and to make sure that you're able to live safely on your own in the independent living unit which means that you can perform your activities of daily living, you can manage your own medications, and you can evacuate yourself if there's an emergency in your apartment, like if there's a fire or something. So it's if you want to move into one of these places, it's much better to move sooner than later. These types of communities are really popular, and some of them are really nice, but they're not cheap. So you do have to buy into them and they will make sure that you have enough income coming in to pay their monthly fee going forward. So the only drawback really that I can see besides the cost of these places, which you know you have to pay yourself out of pocket, is that when you need more care, you must actually physically move to a different housing unit. 
And this is what my sister and I had to go down and manage for my dad. This can be really disruptive and upsetting for somebody who's developing some confusion already or is in poor health. And it's very difficult for somebody who's elderly to move their belongings. So they need help to do that. The new thing now, the new idea now in this industry is to begin to build these communities with the independent living units set up to convert to an assisted living or a memory care unit so that when the resident needs more help, they can remain in their apartment and age in place. So keep that in mind, and you might want to ask about that when you're looking at properties, because trust me, that would have saved our family so much expense and hard work if my dad's community was built that way. But you know, it wasn't. It was built earlier because they have to actually construct the community differently so that the apartments can all accommodate the medical equipment and allow for staff to supervise residents that need it as they age. So if you're starting to look into these places, ask about that and see if there are any around that will offer that because that I believe would be a really, really good benefit and a really good uh, way that the industry is changing. Okay, the last thing I'd like to discuss and just kind of start the conversation about is why people do need care as they age. So obviously when we age, we lose our physical strength and some of our physical abilities to some degree. So that's something that we can plan for and manage. But in my experience, what causes most people to need care is dementia. There are different types of dementia and it can be caused by different processes but generally it's characterized by a loss of short-term memory, confusion, loss of language, loss of the ability to learn new things, and the ability to remember processes like how to make a phone call or cook dinner. We call these things executive functioning because they are the higher level jobs that your brain does as opposed to the basic things that your brain does like regulating your breathing or telling your feet to walk. So you see a loss of executive functioning in the first stages of dementia. And then eventually the person will lose the lower level functioning processes that the brain does but um, that's way down the line in the process of the disease. For instance, I had a client once who was an electrical engineer and he could not use his phone. And when I went to his room, I saw that his phone was unplugged. So clearly at one time in his life, he knew that a phone needed to be plugged into the wall. I mean, this was back during landline days, right? For it to work because um, he was an electrical engineer, but he had lost that problem-solving ability because of his dementia. You may also observe a change in people's personalities when somebody is suffering from dementia. Sometimes people become really grumpy or more stubborn, or they may become paranoid or fearful or depressed and fixated on their own mortality. I had some clients that were wonderfully kind and polite people. And then when they developed dementia, they started swearing and using abusive language. 
And this can be really disturbing and frightening for them and the people around them. Sometimes you'll see someone kind of go back in time if they have dementia. For instance, I had a client once who used to own a butcher shop and he had been retired for many, many years. But when he was on our hospital floor, he used to come up to the nurse's station where I sat and say, you're a good worker. I'm going to give you a raise because he thought that I was one of his employees. He had kind of fallen back into his previous role of that shop owner. And I had another client that was an army general, and he would only respond if he called him general, uh, even though he had been retired for about 20 years. So you see them kind of go back to an earlier time of their life sometimes. Many times you'll see people with dementia lose their understanding of time or be confused about time. Sometimes they don't understand the difference between next month or tomorrow or they'll forget when it's time to eat, or forget that they already ate, or they'll forget to change their clothes for several days in a row, or they might get day and night mixed up where they're sleeping during the day and then they're up all night. So their grasp of time um, seems to change and they get confused about time. You may see somebody with dementia have a loss of orientation to place. They may forget where they are. For instance, I had a client that thought our hospital floor was a cruise ship and she thought we were all on this cruise together and she was as happy as can be cruising away the whole week that she was with us. And uh, one time she told me to meet her on the Lido deck. <laughs> I promise that's a true story. She really told me that. I mean, she was great. And if I get dementia, I want to be like her. I want to think that I'm on a cruise. <laughs> so Alzheimer's disease is the most common type and with that disease, you see a slow and gradual loss of functioning in the client. And nobody really knows how to prevent it or predict it or who's going to get it. And there's no cure as far as I know. However, you, you all know I'm not a doctor. So I'm just telling you what I've learned from my experience. And if you need um, specific information about yourself, you should go to your doctor. But that's what I've observed. It's a slow and steady kind of gradual loss of functioning. The National Institute of Health says that 5.5 million Americans have Alzheimer's disease, and they predict that the number of people with Alzheimer's is going to double every 20 years because the population in general is changing. And of course, age is one of the main risk factors for getting Alzheimer's disease. The next most common type is vascular dementia. Um, and this is caused by teeny tiny little blood clots in the microscopically small blood vessels of your brain. And this is just a process that occurs when everybody ages because, you know, as you age, you, you are actually getting these little tiny clots all over your body in the little microscopic blood vessels all over yourself. But when they start to occur over and over again in your brain vasculature, the, the clots kind of like add up and the effect of them is that you will begin to lose functioning in some of these areas of the brain that are affected by these clots. And so we do see that clinically as dementia. This type of dementia usually presents as a stepwise decline in functioning because the person loses a little more functioning after each new clot occurs. Nobody really knows why some people develop this condition and why some others don't, 
but it's generally thought to be related to heart disease and blood circulation. So keeping physically fit may be protective, but again, talk to your doctor for more info that is more up to date. There's other things that can cause dementia too, like chronic alcoholism, people used to call that wet brain, and Lewy body dementia, that's a weird one. People uh, really seem to use a lot of swear words when they have that one, in my experience. But the main thing is that the client loses memory and executive functioning. So they need help with their activities of daily living. And of course, it's progressive. Now these changes are a lot to deal with in normal times, but these days with the COVID pandemic, nursing facilities and retirement communities are mostly on lockdown to try to protect the residents from the virus and visitors are not allowed. I know at my dad's community, for instance, the gym and the beauty salon and the dining facilities are all closed and all the social activities have been canceled since March. So that's, we're going on five months of that now. So elderly people in these facilities are getting less activity, less stimulation, less social interaction. And my dad's doctor told me when he was in the hospital this summer that they're seeing a lot of elderly patients admitted to the hospital who have become deconditioned and weak because of a lack of activity, as you can imagine. And a lot of them are getting depressed due to the isolation and the loneliness. So this has been especially hard for older people in these communities. So keep that in mind and don't forget to check on your loved ones often. I've even thought about maybe having my dad come and stay with me for a while. I don't know, just to give him a break from the isolation. But it's really hard to know if that's actually the right thing to do either because, you know, that would involve travel. He could probably be exposed to the virus and it also may disrupt or delay his adjustment to his new home. So I guess it's going to depend on how long this continues and when we can get a vaccine, hopefully soon. Anyway, there is a lot to think about here and it can be really stressful. So make sure you're taking care of yourself and that you have good support if you're like me, trying to love and to care for two generations at once and you're feeling squeezed a little bit by both sides and you feel like you're in the middle of the sandwich and reach out to someone if you're feeling exhausted or angry or if you feel like you just don't care anymore or if you're feeling used and resentful those are signs that you are burning out and you need help so if you're feeling that way you can talk to a counselor or a therapist like me or you can find a friend who can relate to what you're going through and just support each other. Um, it'll help, I promise. It'll really help. Oh, and one more thing that I forgot to mention. Um, a lot of times I would have people who had people in their family with dementia and they themselves would be worried that they were coming down with it too. And actually, Studies have shown that if you're caring for somebody with dementia, your risk of getting dementia goes up. And they think it's because of the stress and the lack of sleep that's just chronic. So if you're worried that you may be getting it, just think about this. Some memory loss is normal. Like for instance, it might be normal to forget where you parked your car, right? Now, if you forget that you have a car, that may not be normal. Another thing to think about is if you can remember that you forgot, that's normal. 
Like if you can say, oh yeah, I forgot about that, but now I remember it. Or, um, oh yeah, I forgot I told you that story before. But then like you remember telling the story before, that's kind of normal memory lapse, right? But if the person has no recollection at all that they ever had done whatever they were forgetting, then that might not be normal. So it depends on the severity and the frequency of the memory lapses. And um, if you have any concerns, you really do need to talk to a doctor. And usually it's a neurologist that will diagnose any sort of dementia. All right, so that's about all I got for today. How are you guys doing? Are you in the middle of the sandwich too? Do you have any concerns or a question or a dilemma concerning aging or caring for an aging family member? Well, if you do, write me and let me know if any of this was helpful or if you have any other questions. Remember, my email is howcanihelpyoupodcast at gmail.com and my website is howcanihelpyoupodcast.weebly.com. And until next time, as usual, stay safe and be well. Thank you.